Welcome to the Crone's Porch. Magic, witchcraft, and a liminal approach to magical faith. This is your grandmother's podcast. And content warning for the usual uh, colorful language, although I don't actually think we got that salty this time. Good for us. Surprisingly, no. <laughs> and, you know, our own personal experiences and opinions, which we share with you as two queer-ass, trans-ass professionals doing this shit. Woo. Woo. Um, we are talking about the good people, or as Ian says, the fair folk. I forgot you didn't say the word. <laughs> yeah. And we're just going to talk about our beliefs, our thoughts, our hopes and aspirations around these folks, and just giving you a, a short introduction as to why you should work with our equal opposite neighbors. Hi, Ian. Hi, Colin. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> oh. How are you, Colin? You know, it's getting better. I... <laughs> I'm laughing because uh, I know of our stories, and uh, if, I wish we could. Uh, that'd be uh, too invasive for me, but I wish people could see our like our divination wheel from uh, yeah. yeah from last Samhain because uh, it came true. More serious, but more seriously than I thought it was gonna. Yeah. come true and it's it's been a time like the the beginning of the fall season was a, truly a fall you fall into the fall <laughs> yeah but for, yeah for both of us it's been tough but hopefully it's getting better on both sides um just because you know things but yeah no it's it's get, it's getting better i've turned a corner on a couple different things i think so it's starting to work its it's work its way out it seems like i'll be in state college for at least probably two years mm-hmm. um my only the only problem that i have with that is you and i are still too far away <laughs> but we'll, I know. We'll, work, we'll, we'll work on that moving forward but no it's been it's been pretty good how about you is it anything everything getting a little better everything's getting a little better i think i've been able to take back a lot of control over my situation in the sense of uh I'm controlling my reaction to it and I've given less of a damn about certain things and more of a damn about other things Uh, and gotten back to, I don't give two shits about anything, but like the, the true core of my work and what I want to get out of it. And uh, that's okay. (laughs) That's, that's, that's excellent. Um, So what are we discussing today? So we actually have never talked about this on, well, we've talked about it in passing on the podcast multiple times because it's one of our favorite subjects, but we've never had an episode dedicated to it where it's the two of us talking. It's only been a extra episode where one of our former students uh, was on the podcast and talked about it. So we're going to talk about the Fae, the Fair Folk, the Good Ones, you know, all those people in between, the ones in between. <laughs> yes. Are equal opposites, as it were. True that. So I think I don't remember if you did this. If folks should watch that or watch, I keep saying watch as if this is like a video form format. <laughs> folks should listen to that episode because Casey is delayed. It's only like twenty to thirty minutes, so it's like a short bite. Um, but if people are tuning in for the first time, Colin, give us like a definition, something that people can just wrap their heads around for what we're. Talking I would about. say. I would say. Um, liminal is like the center i know we talk a lot about liminality and about how all of our work is in some ways liminal and all of the beings that aren't human that we deal with are liminal but like 
this is, I think that is the one defining feature of the good people. And I apologize to everyone just for context. I will not use the F word as I call it. That's just a, a I guess you could say a superstition of my tradition. Mm -hmm. You just don't say that word. But mm -hmm. which is different for me. I actually yeah, say the fair folk, fairy, fay. It's how I was, I guess, raised in the practice. So yeah, no, I use it, Colin doesn't, and we exist together. Yeah, no, and I think that's entirely valid. It's really your relationship with the good people, the other people, whatever. Mm -hmm. um, but, like, they live on the same plane as us, but on the opposite side of the coin in some ways. I kind of imagine the other world being this. It's basically the opposite side of the world we live in, and the it's like a sieve there's no real heavy per you know partition between our worlds so humans we can travel to their world just as easily as they travel to ours but we just have slightly different bodies we inhabit so it happens in different ways we go in our mind and our soul but they can come here more easily in terms of their whole self at least that's how i conceive of it um because they're not as physical they're not as bound to physicality but these beings di are as diverse and as interesting as we are and i don't think that they're as tied to concepts or the tides of human culture and belief as deities are uh -huh. <coughs> excuse me um so i see them as sort of quite autonomous individuals who come at us on a very equal playing field in terms of their areas of influence in terms of some of their abilities, although they tend to seem to be better at shape-shifting and magic than we are in very concrete ways, but um, they, they seem to be connected to us in ways that I don't quite understand yet because I haven't done enough really heavy lifting. Like I said, I've said on the podcast before, I'm really focused on deity work, but I really would love to include more work with the good people to the point where it's maybe not equal, but pretty pretty well up there. I think it's an important thing, um, especially since we're focusing a lot more on the Oak King and Holly King as just part of our conception of the year. Um, that's part of it too. So I think if you think of them as beings that live in your culture, just like any other public citizen, just they're different than you, but equal, equal and different. Truly. And I've, that's really been important for me. I think, um, for my experience and just in the ways that I have interacted with the fair folk, um, they also tend to personify different, uh, sometimes nature-driven things and then sometimes cultural-driven things. Like, uh, like for example, mm. in Slavic uh -huh. culture, we have the Domovoy, which is basically a little fairy entity that lives predominantly in people's houses and it lives in the it just lives in the space between spaces and uh it's a housekeeping entity it, it lives symbiotically with with people in their homes and it participates in like cleaning up uh cleaning up the house um and people usually give offerings for it doing that but it just likes to steal stuff and stick in its in its nether region it's kind of a a, a human or it's a collector type entity it just likes to collect shiny things it likes to things that are, appear interesting to it but that is like uh 100 driven off of uh, like our cultural relationship with them versus um i am pulling on things a great tv show i recommend folks watch is hilda i think hilda, yeah 
It's Hilda. I think it's still on Netflix. It's like two seasons. It's mainly Scandinavian, Finnish, you know, like Nordic uh, folklore. But there's some really great examples of things that are culturally driven, like the Domovoi, and then things that are 100% nature driven, like uh, I can't rem- I think I've, I'm probably using the wrong word, but trolls, which are like basically yeah. rock uh, creatures that come alive at night but they're just like nature entity entities or um i forgot what the word is but there are like water elementals that are just like a, a spring with natural kind of magical properties might be personified into kind of like a fairy s folk so they ride this line of when like interesting magic meets some something bash up a lot of times like a fair folk is born whether it's born out of a cultural experience or like a nature experience so they it truly are one of the most diverse for me the diverse most diverse parts of a magical faith because they can literally be anything anything can be a fair folk uh <laughs> at any time and some some of them are new and they like appear in the modern era mm-hmm. like i'm sure we have ones that are connected to like technology fairies and (laughs) things that live in our cell phone and make like certain contexts disappear out of our phone or make our phone like automatically turn on and start dinging um and then there are very ancient ones that came about because like a natural wellspring or those like uh, you know uh, i'm sure there are fairies or what we would consider fair folk in things like um what's the geyser in yellowstone Old Faithful probably has some magical entity that lives near it or in it because of just the wellspring of power that exists there. Absolutely. And I think I agree. The book that I've been reading, I should say, is um, A Witch's Guide to Fairy Folk by Dane McCoy. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's really good. And I agree with her at this point that I think um, her big thing is, is that, you know, you have control over your interactions with the good people as much as you do with other human beings. And you, they also improve your magic. That, of course, just like including anyone in your magic is optional, but why wouldn't you if they're so close and such a good relationship can be had? Um, and I absolutely agree. And I think that you also have, but you also have to be a little bit more careful with the f- good people than you do with deities because deities are used to it all and they're so multifaceted and they connect at least in my experience, they connect with you on a personal level because they they aren't entirely autonomous. They rely on humanity in some ways. So there's that meshing that's just natural. The fair folk are pretty autonomous. And so you'll find ones that are straight up malicious, some that are mischievous and don't get that humans are squishy and mortal. Mm-hmm. You get a variety of interactions, but those interactions have such potential to be so beautiful that <laughs> as much as they do to be dangerous, that it seems foolish, just like, you know, if you worried about every person who was going to hurt you, you would never leave the house. But you do because you need to, and there are wonderful people out there. So it's the same concept, really. It's a social relationship rather than perhaps whatever relationship you have with your deity. I don't have a worshipful one, but it's definitely a little bit different than like straight up just friendship or allyship. It's a little deeper than that, but it's true. And I have a uh, I haven't met, oh, actually, I take that back as I think about it. Um, the most, most of the people that I know that interact with the fair folk, like, there is some worship elements, like, you know, being a priestess of the, of the high priestess of the fae is one example, but also at the same time, a lot of people work with them on such an equal playing field. They're just like any other community member. Yes, you might, um, 
align yourself and follow the leadership of someone who maybe is a little bit more ancient and learned and wisdomful <laughs> than you. But also there are so many opportunities to work plainly as equals, like, hey, join our ritual, you get some benefit because it's driving, you know, magic energy raising, which you feed off of and enjoy and can use, uh, like a fair folk can use for its own purpose. And I will get a benefit too, because you just happen to be a little bit more of a wellspring of magic. Like we get to, uh, I, I really like working with the fair folk because it's that like equal playing field. It's like working with other magical practitioners. And, and the rules are a little bit different because we're on two, we're in two different planes and ours happens to be the more uh, fleshy, squishy, uh, things hurt plane <laughs> than theirs is. Um, and time moves a lot differently in theirs, but we're equals. We get to negotiate it out almost entirely as we want it. There's um, no high cosmic entity that works with several thousand humans at a time. Uh, please hear my call. It's a hey fairy that lives in the tree next door. <laughs> knock, knock. You want to do a ritual together? Which is really fun because it, it um, reminds me of the reason I got into this work was like uh, in a lot of ways unlearning the hierarchy and the kind of abusive relationship I had with uh, Catholicism right? <laughs> and realizing that uh, religious autonomy can extend one with myself that I'm fully autonomous over my own experiences and create my own magic, but also I'm autonomous in the ability to work with other people who are also autonomous and we can build community together. I don't have to go to someone who's above me, you know, kind of like deities. I don't have to go to someone who's more ancient, arguably more powerful than me. Giants, I can work with someone who's just my next door neighbor living in the tree knot. Yeah, it's very true. And I think being able to engage in all of those relationships makes for a really well-rounded and really awesome experience. But I think that the, I can definitely tell from at least my socialization within, I, I this word just makes me laugh nowadays, but the craft. Um, <laughs> That's a good movie too. Yeah, but it's, uh, but it, it's neglected. Like you, you're taught how to work with giants or elementals or whatever you want to call them. You're taught to work with deities or ancestors, but you're very rarely taught to work on a in a positive way with the good people. And that's something I want to turn around because I think it's so important because it's part of that sort of liberatory message that we keep trying to throw around between ourselves and, and on the podcast of like, we want a world where we can interact with everyone in an, on an equal playing field without having to deal with these systems. And I think that it applies to things that are not human too. Huh? Um, and so this is part of that as well. Yeah. I, I believe this also came up in our conversation with Morgan. You should go watch, listen to that episode, listeners. Because um, Morgan's written a lot on yes. uh, different mythologies related to the fair folk, but uh, many a book on interpreting some mythos. And I, I might be making things up, Morgan. I apologize if this wasn't exactly attributed to you. But I remember us talking about how like Christianizing some of those stories led to some of these lost traditions of working with the fae or working with the fair folk and even aren't there some stories of people having fairy lineages and oh yeah certain absolutely. crossovers absolutely at least in gaelic stuff there are many families who trace their ancestry back to the good people like for instance even um travis's clan oh, uh, the duffies the duffies <laughs> are descended from selkies a selkie woman so yeah, yeah they all 
there are many families who have that. And then also connected to your family lineage. Part of that too, as we talked a little bit with Morgan, is the idea of the banshee. And it's not just anyone who has a banshee. She is your your good people ancestor coming back to mourn the imminent demise or the demise of someone, which is so beautiful. It's not scary. It's family grief. And it's an ancestor coming back to mourn with you. It's a really intimate experience. And so it's it's those types of things. And I would say that probably other cultures have that too. I would guess the Slavs probably do have people who were descended from their versions of yeah. those folks. I'm sure. I, I believe there are definitely more stories in Iceland, just because those stories survived, right. of different fairy lineages or just entities that lived that live for so long in communion with their villages. Some of those traditions have survived, but it never ceases to amaze me. I think one of the things, especially being someone who works in diversity work, we never talk about Christian domination or like no. Christian supremacy all that often. You probably do a little bit more. Well, I, well, I will be. I will, <laughs> will be. be. Um, not at the moment, unfortunately. Even in interfaith, it's sometimes not talked about. But it, go, it goes like, you know, in learning this faith, and I think one of the most liberatory parts of learning this faith was like unlearning the Christian domination narratives that like, yes, there are certain hierarchies and, you know, hierarchy is something that I don't, I'm not sure if society can fully divorce some, there are just some natural hierarchies that kind of exist, but we lose out on some of the, these, these subversive relationships because Christianity was like, no, it must be entirely hierarchical. There must be like God up here, priests down here, <laughs> everyday people even below that <laughs> and order matters right and i i think that I, there are within you know some of the traditions and stuff that even the fair folk themselves have hierarchies but they don't seem to play necessarily play out in the same way i can't speak to that because i just i don't know them well enough to, <laughs> to i haven't met i haven't encountered that hierarchy in the one interactions i have had mm -hmm. um but like, it's not the same. I don't. That's a whole different world, a whole new world. But it's and it's but but the encounters remind me very much of like dealing with humans of another culture. Like you can make faux pas, you can be accidentally impolite and piss people off, and they tends to be in stories that they are pretty touchy and protocol driven. Um, many many of the good people of their various kinds. But also that means the door is open for reconciliation if you make a sincere effort to say, I'm sorry. And mm -hmm. if they don't want to, they just won't and you move on. Yeah. It's, it's, it's as long as you're not doing things maliciously or in bad faith, in which case you're just inviting retribution. It's generally which is like true everywhere else too. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's just a life lesson. Yeah, it is. <laughs> I just... I love the concept so much and I, I really am looking forward to the work part of it because it's like, it is like you said, it's like having new neighbors that are really awesome and you just want to get to know them a little bit better. I mean, we have plans actually kind of to do this work of um, kind of diving head first. So I guess like this is a good segue. Um, we can talk. I mean, we have a very minimal knowledge of working with uh, the, the Fae and the Fair Folk, but um, we do have some knowledge on it. Um, so like this summer, we plan on uh, really, I think I'm using the framework of I'm diving into like the earth and like liminal space in the earth. Some people call it hedge writing. Some people call it 
uh, journey work, like whatever, but like finding a really magically induced space that does tend to be parks and thing, things of that nature. They tend to follow some like natural phenomena. Niagara Falls is another greatly magically induced area of the world, uh, the Great Lakes, any of these big natural phenomenons. But uh, I know for me, we're going to go to a really big natural place and literally stick our faces in dirt and find some of those natural, almost portals, those like area of trees that just like mysteriously open up into an opening, uh, fairy rings, you know, mushrooms growing in a really distinctly perfect circle, uh, stone archways that are for some reason in the middle of nowhere that nobody knows why. <laughs> Uh, giant uh, trees that have kind of coalesced into an archway and we're going to dive in and much yep. like meeting your neighbors we're going to take some risk with precautions we have precautions laid out but we're going to take some risks and just like go, go knock on some doors and say hi we're you know new to the neighborhood hello <laughs> what lessons might you have we bring cookies <laughs> yeah absolutely I know that's what I'm to do. <laughs> no, it's no, that's that's what I would like to do as well. And basically, I think a lot of what that works looks like is basically just doing the magic we already do. It's just we're inviting new people to the to the circle, really. Yeah. Because um, honestly, what I imagine our first experience is is yes, walking through the doorway and then basically just doing like a really basic basic ritual construction and inviting whoever wants to come to come say hi just to as basically hold a block party and see who shows up. Yeah. And take whatever fruitful relationships come out. If something's really interesting, you know, we get in, in like, uh, this is where having strongly attuned personal uh, instinct is somewhat important as a magical tool, like being able to follow gut feelings and take uh, subliminal messages in the terms of like, huh, I have an instinct to go Google this thing probably yeah. gonna go google this thing or i'm smelling honey or i'm smell smelling lavender in a strong sense as we do this ritual and taking notes because when things present themselves as interesting it's i'm just gonna go home and do a bunch of research like why did i smell yeah. lavender in the middle of the woods or why did when we decided to do this walk why was a fairy circle the thing that popped up like what Towards sorts of entities tend to respond to fairy circles, uh, stone archways, what lives in like tree knots, uh, what maybe growls, or um, why did I hear uh, whatever type noise, uh, and then just run with it. I just 100% to satiate my own curiosity <laughs> of what's out there and what responds to my magical wavelength, uh, and what might be a fun ally partner even life partner, not necessarily romantically, although I don't, I've never met anyone who's ever had romantic relationships with the fair folk. It does Probably. happen. <laughs> it obviously does, there are family lineages. Um, but I'm just trying to build, trying to build my allyship. This is, I have no goals in it besides have fun, learn something new, and like uh, stretch a muscle. Yeah, I, I would love the opportunity to make new friends on my list as well, just in the terms of like open the doors to those relationships in my life. Um, it's going to be so much fun. I'm actually really excited. I really want to just too. stick my face in dirt. <laughs> um, I think I think now would be a good time to just, you know, we have had encounters before and I think it might just be really fun to just discuss some of what we've what we've encountered uh, before we talk about some of the precautionary stuff, but. I mean, so 
I have encountered the fair folk mainly in the context of doing ritual. They've always just been on the periphery, uh, mm -hmm. doing ritual as a group, like so as a student group spiral at Syracuse. Enough of us were together that we produced enough of a magical effect. You know, it's like mm -hmm. sometimes eight to 10 people doing ritual together. So raising enough energy where things just, you know, started to hit the periphery of the circle. You know, a shadow appeared in a spot where there's nothing there. Um, twinkling lights, you know, hearing some like laughter or uh, soft music. Again, it's always going to be filtered through your own personal cultural lens. So I would often hear harps, what I now know as mouth harps and uh, overtone flutes, which are very culturally specific to Slavic cultures. Um, other people might hear harps or auto harps or uh, uh, what's the crank one? Hurdy gurdy. Hurdy Um, Some people just heard laughter. Some people heard because they were really into metal music. They might have heard like, uh, <laughs> you know, soft drumming in the background. Um, that's always been mine. I've always been trained. I'm actually taking a step out of my magical faith upbringing and going more gung-ho into the fae because I was always raised on the, not that it's something to not interact with, but unless you've uh, it was always something just to caution again, so I just never went for it, which I think is just a timing thing of now I'm much more ready and want to do it. I just didn't want to do it then. So um, my actual fake experience has been mainly through stuff that we've done together, and especially when we did our uh, invocation roulette right. games with our students. Yeah, my experiences have been mostly in terms of what we've done at Ritual, like we invited some folks to watch our students do their sovereignty work um, just as spectators. And we also did Invocation Roulette, which was fun. That was really interesting. Which you can hear in that one time when of a very specific story of uh, invoking not the expected uh, thing yeah. that we were going for. Sometimes wording is super <laughs> important. Um, <laughs> With names, but, names 100%. Names are really important. Yeah, they are. Um, but for for me also, I've never had something I would like to have, but I've never had is I've never experienced like really specific in, like sense input. Like pe some people see twinkling lights or hear things uh -huh. and I have yet to. And I don't know if that's just a personality thing and a personal thing because I know our students used to see lights all the time. Uh -huh. Which I think also is very it's visual also, people. I think there's some level of like also age that plays into it. I think the younger you are, the easier it is. Um, Society's stupid in that way. Puts yeah. blinders on us, and sometimes it's going back to a childlike sense of wonder that helps you access the stuff. It's true, but I, I'm looking forward to that um, as well. Of course, there are precautions that can be taken, but the nice thing is, is they're not that much different than what you would do for anything else, like salt ashes incense like all these things are effective and just set in setting your and setting your boundaries using them mm -hmm. cleansing boundaries that's really what you need there are some culturally specific ones like the black handled knife or iron um but it really i think it depends on just your paradigm and really just setting clear boundaries and saying no when you need to say no yeah saying no when you say no and keeping your wits about you i i think the one i believe in it i guess which in in our line of work kind of makes it true um i believe in the trick questions and not that they're maliciously tricky mm -hmm. questions they're just again different plain rules of like asking for your name is literally yeah. asking you for you know to 
give me give me your name um so like you know do a little i would recommend doing a little bit of research around that and uh just uh being keeping cautious um but not in the way of like blocking yourself off but just keeping cautious like when they ask you questions really think through what that question could be asking you um and don't unnecessarily much like with like your credit score and putting your social security number on things you know unless it's 100 percent absolutely necessary which most of the time is not uh don't give it out (laughs) yeah and i think just the best advice in terms of is just like don't share your personal information with anyone unless you really trust them just like on the internet (laughs) but like I think you'll find that that's not something you have to worry too hard about because generally that's something you're most of us are taught from a relatively young age so it's not something you need to think about it's something that will happen but especially if you're working with someone else like for example what I would like to discuss with Ian moving forward in terms of our sticking faces in dirt is I think that it'd probably be good practice for us to just come to consensus when we need to say things just check in with each other because I can I know for myself I'm too easy to trust people's intentions and too easy to trust what people say. Mm -hmm. And so I need someone to be like, no, I don't get that. Or, you know, that sort of thing. Yeah. Doing this work alone is sometimes risky. But once again, this all sounds like social rules apply. They just might be a little bit more more, uh, on the nose than we're used to. There's not as much... uh, uh, yeah, social nuance, or there are different social nuances, uh, but pretty much all the social rules apply. You don't share your personal information with strange, strangers you meet in the internet, so don't uh, give out your personal information to strangers you meet in the ether, either. Very true. And if you need, if you need to tell someone, this is a really old, old trick, a really like ancient cultural trick, is if something asks for your name. And you don't entirely trust it, or just in general, sometimes it's the best thing to say immediately, train yourself to say is I am me, because then that is something that you that um can't really be stolen. It's something that just is so, like for example, there's a great fair uh fair folk story um about like a child who was playing with a a good a child of the good people and the told the 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 good person the good people child like I am me and so when the good when the child the other child hurt itself and ran running home obviously its mother wanted retribution and asked the child who hurt you and the child said I hurt me and so the mother said well then why are you complaining and <laughs> it prevented a lot of problems mm-hmm. yeah so protect yourself like you do on the internet this is you know the modern world is a Oddly, it feels like it's built better to working with the fair folk because we have some of this like ingrained uh, working with these like anonymous people in the ether in real life now. (laughs) So we're trained a little bit better. It's almost again the you know uh, magical practices evolve. I'm also excited. So like we're going uh, in a way, kind of the route of doing more traditional nature driven. Uh, fair folk work but that's kind of our personalities um i definitely would i'm interested in doing some modern work of like now i'm thinking about tech fairies yeah, <laughs> and absolutely. what exists it what exists reminds- when you are taking a test and your mind goes blank uh, you know what stole your knowledge when you sh- showed up for the test that day absolutely <laughs> it reminds me a lot of the um in warhammer 40k 
even though the company is garbage. Um, but there is something called machine spirits, basically the same thing. It reminds me of that concept. And I don't think it's wrong. Um, I Because the, the good people live everywhere, in houses, in nature, uh -huh. just all over the place. They share the world with us. And there's got to be some mutual effect in that regard. A hundred percent. I think just like we give, as people, we give each other purpose, you know, yeah. <laughs> people didn't work in factories until someone decided to build a factory for people to work in. And I think certain, you know, fair folk entities didn't have a purpose until there like was a house to, you know, have a infinite supply of shiny things and things to clean. Yeah. And then, you know, uh, this, you know, magical energy was like, I have a purpose now and poof, pops into existence. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think that it's kind of similar to us as humans, in fact, because, you know, we don't really have a purpose until we have a purpose. Uh -huh. Like, there's beauty in purposelessness, and we need to embrace that a little bit more often. But, like, you know, you make, you, society makes purpose for you, and you choose it for yourself, too. And so, therefore, you poof into being in some ways that you're not, a, that you may not have before. Uh -huh. Just there's a slight, maybe slightly more literal. <laughs> Not terribly Again, it's, it's just a different social script. It's uh, just like there are colloquialisms that make no sense as like white Americans. Um, there are things that make no sense to them that we do. They're just like, why the fuck are you doing this? And we're like, I don't know. It's just a thing our people do. <laughs> I can't. Very true. Very true. <laughs> but I think this is a good time to to talk about it, just because we're starting to head towards like a new year that's true the veil is thinning so this is like the 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 fair folk are going to be closer and closer like the two sides of the coins that the coin is thinning um and they were very much uh filtering in and out of our plane of existence so <laughs> this is also probably a good time to do fairy work i know we're gonna do it over summer i think for me, that makes more sense. Uh, wild green, yeah, and all that fun, wow stuff. Hyperactivity of summer time, um, but the the fact that we're going into fall is a very highly magical fairy time. Yeah, it's true. So, if you want to do some fair folk magic, Samhain's a wonderful time. That's the reason why there's so many stories of like you know ghouls, goblins, and these other magical entities appearing uh, on sometime around Hollow's Eve. So many stories. Good time to do work it's true and i think that um indulging in the both the childlike aspect of dressing up and doing halloween stuff but also the original origins of that whole dressing up thing was to do this kind of work yeah to mingle so, among them some a little bit for protection so that they couldn't discern you from other uh fair folk who were milling about uh, yeah. during the night but uh yeah what better way to immerse yourself than to literally immerse yourself I mean, hey, ideas. Ideas for us. Ideas for us. Yeah, we'll be doing turnip carving because turnips. <laughs> it's the thing we do now. It's the thing we do now. Uh, we'll still be doing our usual ancestor soupy stuff. Which is Morgan so work. Morgan work because we love that. It's her day. Yeah. It'd be rude otherwise. <laughs> but it's just a good time of year for it. Always fun. Yeah. Because we're, we're coming out to the, the freeze and 
at least for me, fair folk stuff doesn't, especially being in the northeast where uh, it literally does freeze. Yeah. Um, not as much of an active time uh, for fair folk and like yeah. uh, this kind of liminal magic. Uh, besides crone stuff, crones love winter, sure. but uh, fair folk stuff doesn't super happen over winter. This is us finding our balance too. Now we have something to actually yes. do over summer that's not like young god stuff all the time. <laughs> It's really true. And um, at least in my tradition, Samhain is when the the fair folk go from their summer dwellings to their winter dwellings, and they're kind of sad and salty. So it's probably better to approach in summer when they're happy and bouncy. And... Aren't we all sad and salty yeah. in the winter? Well, yeah. That's... Wet. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> true. Yeah. I mean, so... Uh, I'm trying to think of resources. I think everyone should go check out Morgan Dime Daimler. Daimler, yep. Daimler. Um, many a great books, mainly Celtic focused, but uh, I think it's a great starting point. Um, I recommend watching Hilda on Netflix, yeah. Secrets of Kells, the movie. Oh, uh, yeah. What's the other one by the same studio with this uh, about? Something? Oh, Song of the Sea. Song of the Sea. Is a great one. Um, honestly, the Lord borrowers. Of the, Rings, the borrowers. Lord of the Rings is a great one too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, those are all great things to watch. Um, what, what was the book you had suggested before? Um, so the A Witch's Guide to Fairy Folk by Dane McCoy. Actually, Dane McCoy's stuff is good. Very, um, also very Celtic focused. Also very Wiccan feminist in some problematic ways, but it's it's good material. In terms of just facts, and as always, I saw, I always encourage people to find those interesting family stories. You know, the interesting mm -hmm. wives' tales or your grandma's tales. Don't you know throwing salt over your left shoulder if you're Italian? Yes. <laughs> I also learned the the like what most people think of as devil horns from metal music is actually an Italian folklore thing to ward off evil spirits that Dio, who was a singer of Black Sabbath after Ozzy Osbourne and then the singer of Heaven and Hell and a big metal icon who did this and it kind of became adopted as the heavy metal devil horn symbol. It's actually an Italian folk magic symbol. So, you know. Go figure. Go figure. I learned that on the internet. Um, but those like interesting stories, I think, you know, you don't necessarily need a textbook. They're great. Morgan and uh, the book you suggested are great resources, but like old wives tales and fairy tales from your culture, things your grandmother would tell you or your grandmother's grandmother or just like interesting stories. Yeah. Great places. Actually, start. if you want to, if you want a light, if you're, you know, if you're a person who's not super into horror or you want to break from your horror content, but for this season, I would suggest watching Darby O'Gill and the Little People. It's, I know that a lot of people in Ireland find it very embarrassing, but I actually think it's a really good look at the good people of that tradition in some ways and like some of the interactions. And it's actually just really, really fun. It's also Sean, there's Sean Connery pretending to be Irish, a young Sean Connery, and it's really fascinating. <laughs> yeah. So there's so many resources out there. And it doesn't, and you can start small, start big. You can also just stick your face in dirt. It's true. <laughs> but remember, always travel with a buddy. Yep, yep. Sometimes literally, sometimes figuratively. Text someone, I'm going to do this thing. If I'm not back by like three o'clock, please come find yeah. me. Sometimes literally find where if you I need am a, in If the you world. need a deity for backup, that's valid too. There are lots of deities who are connected to the good people who can have your back. The Morrigan. <laughs> the Morrigan, Mananon, Valus. Mm -hmm. At least so. for us, our, our common offenders, as it were. 
True. People who build good relationships, Loki. Yeah, yeah. Loki. The ones yeah. that took time. Jormungandr. Yeah. Always sometimes a fearful one. Sometimes you take someone with you the the fair folk might be afraid of. Sometimes yep. it's helpful. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I encourage y'all to explore the fair folk again. I just, it's been do. super yeah. liberatory for me. It might be liberatory for you. So. And if you have experiences, ideas, corrections that, of something we said, please feel free to share them with us. You can share them on our Gmail, cronesporch at gmail.com. Um, you can share it with us on social, other social media platforms too, Facebook, Crone Porch, Instagram, and Twitter, Crone's Porch. So feel free to tweet at us. Yeah. And we will, you know, come back with something new, but we'll probably be revisiting this topic come summer as well to tell you what we've learned. Yeah. And it's almost actually uh, a quick reminder to folks who are coming down to our break. Like we do do an episode during our break because we cover Yule uh, during our kind of hiatus, but we're coming up on the holiday month. So uh, this might, I don't think this is going to be our last episode, but it's coming up to be our last episode for the year. And we'll be coming back with, uh, I guess, a season three. Yeah, it'll be year three. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Three. Year three. Hopefully the best one yet, three being the sacred number and all that, for us at least. Or the most chaotic. (laughs) Yeah. The most magic abound, chaos abound, learning and stress and sometimes tears. Yeah. Fun wow! (laughs) So I will say Shlan. And I will say those Vidania. And we'll see you next time on the Crone's Porch. porch. (laughs) You just did that one on purpose. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs>